We believe we all have a big self and pursuing it is holy work. We also believe that most of us let fear persuade us not to pay attention to it. On episodes when Shelly and I don't have a guest, once or twice a week, we like to bring you a big idea wrapped in a sample size package. We call these our micro episodes that you can listen to on your way to the grocery store or running an errand. Why? Because the big journeys Self Show. I'm your host, Chad Prevost. And I'm your host, Shelly Prevost. And I am showing up to you today in a mood of optimism and of ambition and possibility. Yeah. What, what kind of mood are you in? So the mood that I kind of live with is pride. <laughs> <laughs> You're feeling prideful? Well, yeah. I mean, I just, I know that the more pride I'm in, as it as an Enneagram 2, the more demanding life is, hmm. or at least I believe life is. So that's kind of the mood I'm in. Yeah. You do have a lot of demands. <laughs> <laughs> Those are projected demands. Oh, maybe. That I carry around of, of myself well, all the time. Well, today we're practicing, this is all about practicing and very specific ways to, uh, it's not just information we're sharing with you, but it is like ways to do the practice very tangible things. So it's just to be able to step in to the mood that you want to live in, or if nothing else, if that's too ambitious of a possibility for this episode, at least developing the insight and the knowledge to practice becoming aware of the very fact that you might be unaware that you are living in a mood a lot more than you realize and that this is having an impact on your possibilities. How do you define moods? And especially how do you think about okay. them differently from emotions? Moods are basically emotions that last longer. I'm just trying to, it might be a little reductionistic, but we, we visit emotions for a brief time. They're temporary. They tend to arrive uh, when something happens, an event kind of triggers an emotion. Maybe, you know, we find ourselves happy with a phone call from a friend or angry after a uh, a customer says something unkind to us um, or delighted from unexpected news and possibilities, bummed when we get a flat tire on the road or when our 17-year-old says, by the way, I got into an accident. Mm. Um, but moods, they hang around, Shelly. Moods are how we normally relate with the world, okay? This is important. We dwell in these moods, and we often call them reality. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's this filter 
through, and I, this is why I'm, I'm getting emotional in my intensity in trying to communicate this because I think it is so overlooked and I think it is so important. And we're only really the kind of exciting mood part of this is that we're just a couple of decades into like much awareness about this at all. And our culture is very, very, very cognitive and non-emotional, or at least wants to like downplay emotions. But so developing awareness that you're always in a mood, even if you think you're just being neutral. Mm-hmm. And, and so what we want to do is like, hey, like recognize moods are mostly transparent. They go, they go unnoticed. They live in the background and, and then, then we act them out. So I hope that, that does that answer? That's, yeah. Those are some of my no, definitions. I was just curious kind of how you think about it. So if I may, the, the, the way I think about it. Mm-hmm. So I think of emotions as they're transitory, which is kind of what you're talking about. I think they're uh, chemical. Moods ex- or emotions? Emotions. Emotions. Are, uh-huh. Chemical experiences that we have as humans. Well, okay. Um, I think, yeah, they're, they're fleeting a little bit, but they're. Um, involuntary in many ways because of what life's bringing you. You're going to have emotional responses to things, of course. Yeah. A mood contains the story you craft around usually specific emotions. That's that's so so true. And so we can get into angry moods uh, because we're kind of holding on to the story we construct around anger. Um, we can get into melancholy moods, which I know you're going to talk a little bit about because yeah. of the story. So there is, it is the the longevity of an emotion based on some very formative foundational stories Unconscious that we tell ourselves. as it may be. That's right. Yes, that's that's great. And I also think that a lot of our uh, culture uh, criticizes being emotional, but really what we're talking about in those cases is being overly emotional. We are emotional beings. We don't have to be overly emotional. That's one takeaway. Another, mm-hmm. I mean, another huge, huge point that I would love for us to be able to go deeper on, but we don't have time on this episode. It's that you emotional life, it can be influenced. And the great news is you can bring out and you can uh, practice being in other uh, moods and dispositions, but you really cannot command your emotions. Now you have control, you can take control and that's the whole point, but you can't just kind of tell them what to do. You have to practice. Well, do you, do you take issue with that? Cause you're, you're I, wondering. Yeah. Um, I do. I think it is challenging and I think it takes a lot of work and a lot of self-awareness. Yeah. But I do think there are people who have done the work, really aware of where their emotions are coming from, that they can catch them and not act on them. So they do, in that way, I guess they are commanding them. Um, There is an involuntary nature to emotions, of course. Yeah. But I think there is the self-mastery that we're we're talking about, which is you can... um, like training a puppy, you can tell it to sit down. You can tell it to 
knock it off. Like just for instance, just trying to record this very episode, just as we were beginning to record, uh, chainsaws start going off in the background and leaf blowers, right? As we record from home and the, and it just was like, are you serious? And there's this reaction of like frustration and these are like emotional, like negativity, right? And we had to kind of go, can you can you believe we're literally talking about yeah. emotions and moods? And here we are being quite reactive as we're trying to record yeah. this podcast. So the, so what happens is you you know with awareness you have a moment where you can identify. Okay, this is what I'm feeling right now, and. Of course, it's that makes a lot of sense because it's frustrating to be recording a podcast and there's 10 leaf blowers starting up. Uh, but there's choice and now how to move forward with that. And so I think a lot of people that aren't completely conscious of these emotions will just bring them with them throughout the day. Oh, yeah. Just bring the anger in, bring the, um, the sadness or the melancholy, bring the anxiety, like the fear, whatever emotion you kind of have kind of set in, set up camp in, that becomes the mood, the flavor that you might move through your day, your week, your month, your life. Um, and so that's, that's a little bit of the difference is that you can command it, but I think it is, uh, maybe what you're saying is you can't command yourself not to have emotions. Oh no, we, we all, and, and right. maybe we could, I don't know if it's worth the time to explain why do we have emotions? Why would nature make human beings always be in emotions? Mm-hmm. I think like but, we've done a podcast on that before, Okay, um, but there is just, it's, there's a biological basis for it that we need emotions, right? We're not, we're yeah. not uh, robots. And so we're not we we need them to direct us just like you need pain to direct you not to do certain things that mm. will cause you harm emotions are kind of a, another level of of feedback that our bodies are constructed to give us in, so that's a nutshell in fact um to the point of what we're talking about let's let aristotle in on this conversation briefly great quote yeah yeah like he's like some of the things they were thinking about 2000 2500 years ago makes you kind of wonder have we really evolved because <laughs> uh so he was saying um he there's this quote anyone can become angry that is easy But to be angry with the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose, and in the right way, this is not easy. (laughs) And it's not just angry. It can be any any emotion. emotion. Yeah. I think the difference between kind of a lower level of awareness emotion and higher level of awareness emotion Mm -hmm. is choice. And so you can have anger unconsciously and you're just stewing in it and you're spouting it and you don't know why you're angry all the time. Or you can choose to be angry for issues of justice pointed at the right person, uh-huh. guiding your conversation or your conflict. Like yeah. there's choice in that. And I think that's the difference. And nice. it may be a little bit about what Aristotle was talking about. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Right. So So tell us, um, give us some idea of the practice for you. I know we've talked quite a bit about melancholy 
that mood, yeah. um, which I can, I can tell when you're kind of getting into that mood a little bit, but I'm curious, like what, how do you experience it? And then how, how do you get out of it so yeah. that it doesn't become the soup that you're living and swimming in all the time? Well, I will say, so we are what we practice and and even if you're not aware of how you're practicing a mood, well, that's part of that's step one of this episode's purpose, right? Is to help you develop awareness about being in a certain disposition or mood. And by the way, if you wanted, um, we've got it'll be in our show notes, but just a few books that are just absolutely game changers that would just add to your library and give you a lot more uh, sophistication and ability to name emotions are these books, A Field Guide of Emotions. It's a pretty new book put together by a couple of practitioners, and it's a reference type of book. They've got the etymology of them. They've, they're naming them. Where do they come from? There's positive, negative ones. The, the Field Guide of Emotions. There's also, I mean, A General Theory of Love by Lewis, Amini, and Lannan. It's been around for a while now. If you don't know about A General Theory of Love, it's an incredible book blending this emotional side of things with science. Uh, also, of course, Learned Optimism by Martin Seligman and Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goldman. With that said, uh, like what what if you're like, let's think of just a couple of examples before I even give my personal one. Like what if you're like frustrated with a boss? And you, uh, and you might have a hundred reasons to be frustrated legitimately with your boss. And so every day you're showing up and you're in, let's call it resentment, kind of a blend between anger and resignation. You're in resentment. And all day long, you're thinking about all of these reasons why your boss is not doing you right or having unfair, ridiculous expectations, or you can, there never seems to be satisfaction. And so what you're practicing all day at work, all of those hours is resentment. Is it any wonder why you start that bleeds over into how you're interacting and talking with uh, your family, your friends, other people in your life? You don't want to be in resentment, I assume, but you're practicing it. And that's what I mean by being in this disposition. Yeah. And I'll, I'll yeah. add this. So resentment, like all emotions, they're calling you to pay attention to something. So re I believe resentment is a cue to action. And so an action, like to do, what do you want to do with resentment? Well, an action could be uh, set a boundary. An action could be have a conversation. You know, there, there are multi, many actions you can take yeah, as a result yeah, of right. feeling resentment, but it's, it is a cue to a some cue. action. And I think when we don't, do the action, we don't reconcile the emotion, then it lingers. And that's what becomes kind of this habitual mood that we just stay in. Yeah. And that's the bleeding over into all of the other relationships in our lives. I appreciate you adding that in. Uh, so let me talk about mine. It is, um, so, well, um, we've talked about it before. I'm an Enneagram four. What do a lot of Enneagrams four, fours do? We are unconsciously often thinking about what is missing 
what is uh, what we're lacking, what could have been better. And overall, it, it, like the psychological thing that's going on is a lot of idealization. Um, apparently, ones and sevens and fours are the ultimate idealizers, but it doesn't stop you if you're not one of these from idealizing. Mm-hmm. What does it mean? Well, I can idealize big things. I can idealize small things. I can idealize having the perfect conversation, say, with um, with that boss, <laughs> you know, um, or I can idealize um, if I'm going to a concert, it's got, it's got to be this great, you know, it's got to be just this perfect concert. Yes. I can idealize what I'm going to get done in the afternoon or for a given week's worth of work, um, on and on big and small. And what keep, what happens is, especially if you're unconscious of like, it's got to be this great idealized way is reality is constantly disappointing you. (laughs) And you're constantly, you're not enough. You're not living up to your idealizations or reality's not. And so unconsciously, until you work on a little bit of awareness around it, is I default into kind of a bit of a melancholy. Now, if you had just seen me like at work, um, you know, a few years ago, and I was in this disposition of feeling a little melancholic, I wouldn't have been able to say, yeah, I would have been like, I'm new. I'm just neutral. You know, I would have just been like, you know, not aware of my fe- until maybe I interact with somebody else who really is like upbeat and really. Pot- and then I'm like, well, I'm not quite, I'm not. I thought it was neutral, but I'm maybe I'm uh, something else. Yeah, your energy comes down maybe like two or three notches. Yeah, is how I would describe it. So, um, how do you practice? Well, there, you know, one of the ways that we want you to like be able to develop practices is to literally try to visit the the ways that you do want to be. So, I guess step one is kind of developing this awareness. And you might just want to be there for a while and the rest of this podcast is kind of meaningless. You just like, just be in working on from now on, (laughs) working on awareness of your emotions. But if there are ways that you want to practice them, there's ways to be in your body that can help you be in an emotion. And there's ways to choose here. I guess the overall good news is that there's all this research is so exciting that whether it's hard as Aristotle and Shelley says or not, you can change your basic moods and you can begin to practice being in different moods and it will change your neural pathways and it will change the way you show up to so many different things. I will say to get me out of melancholy through my body is especially seasonally. I don't know if some moods come around for people seasonally, but here as the fall and the winter begin to emerge, I guess, uh, and I'm not exercising, I just naturally default into this kind of wistful, like, 
melancholic funk. disposition. I call it your funk. Yeah. It could, <laughs> if it gets, I guess if it comes out in a certain way, um, maybe, yeah, see, it's, you're not always aware of it. Yeah. Well, what gets me out of it immediately is if I just do some simple exercise. And so it's the body, remind the body, right? It's like, hey, take care. The body's like, hey, can you take care of me a little bit? I do a little bit of exercising. I'm immediately aware that my mood is way more positive and optimistic than it was. So there's awareness, like what can I do with my body to, to visit the territory, say, of the emotion that I want to be in? Here is actually, so actually to, to um, support this point of like how you could practice, think of like the, the universal body expressions, facial expressions of when you're in anger. Shelly, right now I want you, I want you to like show me an angry face. Get angry. So when you're in anger, you your your facial your facial expressions tighten up. Your your shoulders might tighten. You literally feel it in your body. Well, you your body, you know, your mind when you're practicing anger, it's like you don't even know. Like your you, your mind does it's like your your body is emulating anger. Well, literally practice like what if you just like smiled now? Just practice literally smile. Mm-hmm. Well, if you do that a few times, like you, it's impossible to be angry, really angry while you're really smiling. And it's, it's funny. It's like the brain, the body expert doesn't know the difference. I want to be very clear, though. We're not talking about like toxic positivity and just like no pretending you no, don't feel certain. No, things. and I'm not saying like sit or like go around smiling when right. you're angry. I'm just saying that this is a little bit of a, a clear cut example of like the body reflects what's going on in and there are way there are ways to practice it. So what if you like you can be influenced by others. And you can be influenced by circumstances, but like you can also find basically it's like an antidote. It's a, and with the Enneagram, we talk about how, well, there are these passions, which are these emotional negative dispositions that we can fall into according to type. And then there are these virtues, which we can pursue. We can, if I'm in envy, I can pursue equanimity. If Shelly's in pride, she can pursue humility. Humility. And, and so that's what we're talking about is like, you can, if you, if you're in resentment and you don't want to be in resentment or anger or resignation, you can begin to practice. Well, first of all, identify, well, what do I want to be in? What, what emotional state do I want to try to practice being in? So first of all, there's this awareness of your emotion. Then there's the identifying how you'd like to be. And then you begin to practice what it would be like to show up in that emotional state. I, I just if I could simplify it okay. because I think that for every human, for all of us, yeah. it is some version of acceptance is really the antidote. Some version of what about this person, this situation, you know, myself, what do I need to accept about right now? 
that will, you know, give me the antidote that I'm looking for. So for example, pride, like, like the, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, it's this incessant need, like, um, belief that I'm needed, that the people around me need me. I have to be doing these things for people. Right. Uh, I have to achieve this, you know, the idea of the idealization uh-huh. you know, for two, it's an expectation of what we have to do for people. Mm. The more I'm in pride, the more demanding those needs are, or at least I believe they are. And so the, the work for me then is when I'm, I'm again, I'm not even realizing it. Mm-hmm. I'm just like working, working, working and doing all these things. And I'm like, wait, wait, whoa, <laughs> what am I not okay with right now? Mm-hmm. What am I not okay with about the the way the world is around me? What do I need to accept? What do I need to trust? What is not my work to do? Where do I need to back up? I want to add to that immediately and just in the same breath and just say, I absolutely agree. I love what you're saying. Acceptance is sometimes a very first step to shifting to other emotions that you might want to be in. And acceptance does not mean you're condoning uh, the behavior or reason. What you're just you're you're coming to acceptance. Yeah, and you're trusting that there's other pieces to this this uh, experience you're having. It's not all about you that, you know, like even right. to go back to the melancholy. Well, there's nothing wrong with you. There's no lack in you. There's no reason to feel the melancholy. Right, it's a it, story I'm, tell, I'm living in. Right, yeah. and then for me, there's other people that can do things. I don't have to do, you know. Uh-huh. So I think there's this, this inherent trust that we... Um, have amnesia to that there's more to this life story than just our own might. And so I think the more that we can see that and identify that, the more we can begin to replace it. And for me, humility is the path to that acceptance. And so really uh, humility Mm. isn't the end point for me. It's a way to the end point. And so to me, the end point is acceptance, trust, uh, love ultimately that I'm loved for who I am, not for what I do. And so that's, I think, you know, these moods we get in are when we disconnect from that truth and, yeah. and we have to find our way back there a little bit. That's so, that's so good. And a lot of times too, the, the mood of satisfaction, how do you ever achieve it? Right. It's, and you can think of like, am I just constantly striving or is my boss constantly putting a demand on me? And is there ever, what are the conditions of satisfaction for yourself? Mm-hmm. How could you think about practicing that alone? Yeah. And the truth is the, you might have a demanding boss or you might have a really, um, quote, toxic coworker, right? So I yeah. think I think that that is true, and it can be true that you can you can separate from that. You can disconnect from that. You don't need to take that and um, make it your story. And I think the more that we work with these triggering people, triggering events, triggering environments in our lives, the more we do really. Um, pull back from the need to kind of control or make them go a certain way. And then we can just take care of our own business. 
So I would like to say for your takeaways from this episode is that you can recognize, just come to recognize that you are in emotions, especially those moods, and to develop work on uh, in a non-judgmental way, just getting curious about the mood that you may find yourself practicing very often. And then perhaps a second step out of that or from that awareness is to think about, well, is there an emotion that you'd like to leave behind or one that you'd at least uh, like to visit less, less often, often. <laughs> and as well as like, is there, are there moods and dispositions that you'd like to visit more often? So I hope, I know it's a complicated subject and there might be other ways that we could go into depth on how to specifically practice be showing up in these other moods and emotions, but I think that's a lot and we've yeah. covered some good territory here yeah, today. Yeah, but and I, I think we're, um, it's the human experience is that we have chaos and suffering and crap, right? Whether it's from outside of us or we've internalized it. I think for most people, the goal of what we want is peace. And so this is what we're, you know, this is how we're helping. We want you to think about unpacking this a little bit. The path to peace is through, um, disconnecting from the story of being, identifying the story and being aware of the story, and then beginning to do the work to replace it. And I think that's where that peaceful mood, serenity, I think is a, is a word a lot mm-hmm. of people will talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the inner experience of disconnecting from that, um, whatever's triggering you. So we hope that this continues to add to your re- repertoire of potential practices. And if you want to just keep be- learning, being a part of our community, join us at yes. the Burnout to Big Self Facebook group. Let us know what you think about this episode, what mood you are aware of that you would like to do some work around. Um, join the conversation. We'd love to have you. Burnout to Big Self Facebook group. Hope to see you there. And maybe you show up a whole lot and you practice being in a very effective mood that you are aware of, or maybe not, but it just works for you. We'd like to hear about how that is effective in your life. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Big Self Show. You know where to find us at The Big Self School just bigselfschool.com. Bye.